Hello there. Welcome everybody to Han Talks First, a Star Wars podcast. I am Han. This is the Obi-Wan Kenobi reviews talking about part three. It was a great episode and I'm going to talk spoilers. So if you haven't seen it yet, go watch it and come back and tell me your thoughts. Overall, I just have to say I'm absolutely loving this show. After last week's two-parter, I did have a lot of questions coming out of it, especially about the Grand Inquisitor, and this episode actually does in fact confirm that he is dead. So this kind of breaks canon because in Rebels, he's a he's a main antagonist. It does concern me and confuse me about how this will take place when Ahsoka comes out because that is essentially Rebels season five. But other than that, this show had excellent cinematography. Again, the scope of this show, even though they're using the same stagecraft technology as The Mandalorian and Boba Fett, it has a much bigger scope to it and it feels grand and it actually looks some parts like they're actually shooting on location. And aesthetically, it reminds me a lot of Revenge of the Sith from the CGI to some of the shot compositions and of course seeing Anakin in his hooded coat again kind of haunting Obi-Wan Kenobi, which I loved by the way, but we'll talk about it later. We got a couple new characters, we got some great action, we also got to form a bigger bond between Leia and Obi-Wan. We expanded the mythology about the Force. And freaking Vader. Oh my god, Vader is... the. Uh, I can't... See, I can't even talk. So this episode starts with Obi-Wan still trying to commune with Qui-Gon. And one thing I forgot to mention last week was we are 100% getting Liam Neeson in this series. And the reason I'm 100% sure is because in one of the previous episodes, when Bail Organa is standing in Obi-Wan Kenobi's home, and he has a hood over him, and he's back turned to Obi-Wan... It was totally a setup showing that Qui-Gon will be coming in this series. Again, that's another thing that will break canon because Qui-Gon cannot form himself in a physical or ethereal way. He can only commune through voice, but I'm for it. Break all the canon. Why not? Why not? Okay, so let's talk about Vader, baby, because this just got my blood flowing in all my regions, if you know what I'm talking about. The first thing I recognized was the voice. And at, for a second, I was like, there's there's absolutely no way this is James Earl Jones because James Earl Jones is like 5,000 years old and his voice shows. But then the credits came up and it said James Earl Jones voicing Darth Vader. And I was like, whoa. Like, I can almost guarantee you they did put some touch-ups on his voice in post-production and they probably also added some AI to make it sound a little cleaner. But this was such a treat to see that he's still voicing Vader. That makes me so happy. I also love the shots in Vader's quarters, his throne, and then when he gets up and looks out at Mustafar, this just felt so good, and it reminded me also of the Vader Immortal VR game. It looked like it was ripped straight out of that. But look, just seeing him again is absolutely stunning, because this is the greatest villain of all time. And there are these haunting tones that shadow over Vader throughout this episode, from anything from the score to the way it's shot, and then how he carries himself, but also the moments where it doesn't have score, and it just relies on the silence to to make the audience feel freaked out. In the last couple minutes of the show where Vader and Obi-Wan are fighting, we could talk about for hours. I mean, the fact that he is so vengeful to Obi-Wan for making him who he is today, it really does feel tonally like Deborah Chow totally understood how George was trying to shape this story between them. And of course, that's a credit to the writers as well. I mean, this is written very well from the dialogue to the story overall. And the parallels when he's trying to burn Obi-Wan in the fire, it's just brilliant. George Lucas would love that because yeah, it's like poetry and rhymes. 
Look, parallels in Star Wars are really nice, but I think the parallels to our reality is also really something special, such as The Path. This was a total reference and allegory for the Underground Railroad in the American history. Now look, this is a series review, so let's talk a little bit about the camera work. What I think really works, and which is a strong function to the narrative of the story, is how they shoot certain parts of the show. Anytime Obi-Wan is having a haunting vision of Anakin, you notice that it switches to a Dutch angle, which essentially means that it tilts ever so slightly on the camera. And the other great thing that I noticed too, which really makes the audience feel like they're in the moment, is whenever they were having the little cat and mouse game with Obi and Annie at the very end, and the camera switches from being on a tripod or on a crane or a dolly, and it switches to being a steady cam or handheld. It gives it that little shaky look that makes you feel like you're running in the moment too. It puts the audience on edge, and this also goes back to the music because they totally cut out the music there when it really helped, and it really just brings you on the edge of your seat. I mean, that moment when Obi-Wan is looking out the door, right when Anakin arrives on that planet, is... It's terrifying stuff. I just love how she did Vader in this episode. I mean, it just, it works. And oh my God, he does not pull any punches. He's lifting dudes up. He's cracking necks. I sound like the principal from A Breakfast Club. I'm cracking skulls. <laughs> and also not to mention him roasting Obi-Wan over a fire like he's a nice kebab. Look, aside from that, there were other great moments in this part, such as Fred. I love Fred. Fred. Normally a character like that in live action really wouldn't do it for me. Just like in that first episode of Mandalorian with that blue fish head guy, that didn't work for me. It felt too Marvel. But I think the reason why this one worked is because, one, it had this Rebels tone to it. It felt like a character right out of Rebels. And also, it wasn't a humanoid face. It was an alien, an obvious alien. And with that kind of voice, it also reminded me of Revenge of the Sith again. Also, I immediately recognized the voice. Not immediately, but I did recognize the voice. And I was like, where do I know this from? How do I know this voice? And why am I thinking of Scrubs? Zach Braff is the voice of Fred. That just made it even... 10 times better for me. Now look, I really thought when he let him in the back of the pickup truck and then the stormtroopers came on and they started asking, why did you call her Leia? I really thought that was a great setup for Obi-Wan to start using his mind tricks against the stormtroopers and say, you did not hear me say Leia or something along those lines, but they didn't do it. I don't think it was a lost opportunity because I still think Obi-Wan is trying to get a hang of things, but it would have been really cool. Nevertheless, he still took out a bunch of stormtroopers in this. He's slowly remembering how to fight. Through all of this, I think the direction is really, really solid. Deborah Chow is doing an amazing job. I underestimated her. I'm so proud she's doing this series. She works well with the action scenes, but also she does really well when it's just two characters talking, like Leia and Obi-Wan. Something as simple as Leia asking Obi-Wan, what does the Force feel like? Now, this was one of my favorite moments because of Obi-Wan's response. Have you ever been afraid of the dark? And she says, yeah. And he's like, well, what does it feel like when you turn the light on? And she's like, safe. I love this. This is George Lucasism, expanding on the mythology. While it wasn't as straight in your face as like midi-chlorians, which a lot of people hated, this is still grasping on those ideas of like the things Yoda said in Empire, like things about the Force that just make you feel more spiritually connected to it, and I just love that. And it's in moments like this that I think Obi-Wan is getting his old self pulled out of him by Leia. And look, this is the second time in this show that they've mentioned Padme, or adjacently mentioned Padme, so I definitely think we're gonna have some kind of moment where Anakin either remembers Padme, or there's a flashback, or a vision, but if, I'm telling you, if Natalie Portman shows up in the show, I'm going to lose my damn mind. And as far as the path, I have two really big complaints. First of all, how the fudge did that girl get out without passing Reva? And second, 
How the fudge did Reva pass Leia and get in front of her to capture her? Those two parts made absolutely no sense to me. It kind of took me out of the story because I kept thinking about that the whole time. But I guess to be fair, there was like a billion tunnels in that thing. So maybe they overlapped. I don't know. I'm loving the show. Episode three was great. It's really sad because now we're halfway through and I don't want it to be over. But let me know what you guys thought down in the comments below. Like this video for me. Share it with your friends. Subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Doing videos all the time here on the channel and also on the podcast feed. Subscribe to the podcast feed if you're not already because we do other stuff stuff there as well. Thanks for listening today, guys. I hope you have a great rest of your day. And now, somehow, someway, somewhere this week, may the force be with you. Pew! So who talks first? You talk first. I talk first.